Welcome to another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast uh, with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. And this week, we're going to dive into the political weeds. I don't know. Guys, welcome. Is there anything really going on in the news this week? I don't think so. Kind of a slow week. Nothing there, guys. Good morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, with everything that's going on, of course, in Washington, we think it's appropriate to discuss this from a Christian perspective, a factual perspective, and try to find out really what's been going on with this whole impeachment movement, the Ukrainian phone call, the whistleblower report and such. So there's a lot of this to get to. First of all, the latest news of this, of course, is that the quote-unquote whistleblower report has been released. Uh, We've read the entire whistleblower report. When I look at this, what's interesting to see is how different the whistleblower report is from the actual transcript Mm -hmm. of the phone call between President Trump and Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine. They don't seem to line up with each other. But the bottom line, the Democrats have decided that this is a smoking gun issue large enough to justify impeachment of the president, and that appears to be the road that they're going down now. And uh, the question is, did the president really do something that warrants impeachment, or is this one big mountain being made out of a molehill. And let me toss it over to you, John. John Rush, of course, rushed reason out of Denver. What's your general overview take on this so far? The the left it continues to try to find things, Bob, Neil, and Roger, to damage this president. And it's not based upon, in my opinion, any kind of merit. They just don't like the guy. They haven't liked him from day one. They're still bitter over their loss of the election with Hillary Clinton. And they are literally trying to manufacture anything they absolutely can to try to impeach this president, which, by the way, is not the first time this has ever happened on the Republican side of the fence. Last time was with George W. Bush. They tried to do the exact same thing Mm -hmm. with him. So this isn't the first time we've run into this. And so for the American people that are out there listening, where they feel like there's some big mountain that's just all of a sudden come up, the reality is, no, it hasn't. I've read both transcripts, Bob, to your point a moment ago. The reality is that the whistleblower himself or herself, we don't even know who it is, right. it's, it's a lot of hearsay. This is a, well, I heard so-and-so say such-and-such about such-and-such about this date and that date and this thing and that thing. And the reality is there's no direct relationship between the whistleblower and even what happened. This is much like that telegram game where you know you tell your neighbor something as it goes around the circle. By the time the story gets back to you, it's changed you know 15 times because it passed through 15 different people. This is nothing different than that right now. Right. And we are going to, through the course of this hour, start unpacking some of the actual specific challenges and, and claims and and really pick them apart. But first, in this general sense, Roger, Roger Marsh, I mean, what's, what's your take on this? It's such a shame to see us getting more and more divided in this country. But I got to tell you, the hyper-partisan nature of the Democrats does seem to be we are going to derail Donald Trump's presidency and try to undo the election of 2016 by any means whatsoever. And it seems like this is just the latest effort du jour of them to try to do this. I agree with you, Bob. And uh, John made an excellent point about this as well. Uh, when when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, I guess is a good yeah. analogy. I mean, it seems from the Democratic side, it's fascinating to from November 9th, 2016 on. There's just been this stunned disbelief that, A, Hillary Clinton didn't win because they had all the packages all ready to go and first female president to do whatever she was going to do. And then the fact that it's Donald Trump, of all people. I mean, I was talking to Todd Starnes, Fox Nation, the other day, and he said, yeah, I was in that category, too. There were 17 candidates running for president on the GOP side. I was for any of the 16, just not him. But once he took office, then it's like, okay, we got to find something. we got to find something. And so the questions I think people are wrestling with right now is we want to just get to a, an immediate answer. You know, did he do something wrong? Let's impeach him. Did he not do something wrong? Leave it alone. And as you mentioned, I, I, the analogy that you have, Bob, the weeds, you know, that we're getting into here, there's lots of different nuances to the way this is being reported. And I'm, I'm grateful that we're going to take this hour today to take a look at this and say, okay, what – What's really going on here? If we need to be upset, if we need to be concerned, let's really be concerned. But right. if we don't, let's 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 be truth tellers. Let's be peacemakers. I think that's important for us as Christians. Neil, what's your take on this whole thing? You know, I don't know exactly what to think about it. I have not been following this story very closely. It's not something we've talked about yet on my program. We may at some point in the future, but uh, it feels like 
the same old thing. And uh, I guess it was John who said this earlier, but, you know, the idea that everyone seems to be out to get the president, at least, uh, you know, among his opponents. And, uh, you know, I, I saw even one statement, I guess, uh, made by the White House saying that, you know, that Congress is really, you know, responsible f- uh, for this and that uh, this represents a dereliction of their own duty for spending so much time trying to take the president down. Now, that may just be a defensive maneuver on the part of the White House, but it's interesting to note that there always seems to be something else they're going after to try to get Donald Trump out of office. What I do think, and I want to just kind of throw this out, and it's something that we can talk about further, uh, but I do think that we shouldn't ourselves rush to judgment to say that there's absolutely nothing there because, you know, we weren't part of some of the meetings that happened in the Ukraine or in other parts of the world. We, there, are, there are other facets that we don't fully understand. So, Bob, you used the word factual earlier. I just think it's important when we approach an issue like this that we remain open to the facts, whatever they are, because there will be other things that come out that could change our perspective at some point. But as it appears right now, this looks like uh, another Mueller investigation. It and does. nothing Nothing less. It does. And I completely agree with you. If something comes out that suddenly shows that Donald Trump really was doing inappropriate or impeachable things, okay, great. Then we need to be willing to adjust our perspectives and our opinions based on the actual evidence. The evidence we have right now, uh, the transcript and the whistleblower's interpretation of that transcript, and he didn't even see the transcript. He got hearsay or she did from uh, from a third-party source the two of them don't line up, and the evidence that we have right now, in my opinion, shows the president being falsely accused by trumped-up charges, pun intended. John, one of the things I want to ask you about also is, before we get into some of the specifics of the claims and accusations here, one of my concerns is the precedent that this sets as far as foreign leaders feeling confident to have off-the-record yes. candid yes. conversations with the U.S. president. I agree with you on that one. I, I thought the same thing because – the other thing, too, that I think the American people need to realize, Christians, non-Christians, whatever, and this is something that I'm not sure even most politicians understand. Let me be, let me explain what I mean by this. When the president, and this is what I read from the transcript, when the president was talking to the president of Ukraine, mm. he was talking much like business people would talk to one another about how to do business. And, right. and what I mean by that, and I'm not trying to make it, you know, make a pass or anything along those lines. If he said something or did something wrong, of course, we need to address that. But I looked at the transcript, and when I read it, I just thought to myself, this guy's just making a deal. He's trying to make things correct between the Ukraine and, and the United States. He's trying to get some other business done between the two countries. He's trying to establish a relationship. He is trying to make sure there's no corruption there. And he used an example of Joe Biden and his son as one of those things. He didn't namely say anything about them in regards to withholding anything if that particular president doesn't prosecute those two individuals or the, or, the, or Biden's son, I should say. This was simply a business meeting a business phone call where he's trying to establish relationships with another party and continue to do business with them and at the same time understanding the plight of Ukraine when it relates to the rest of the European Union. You can see that in the transcript. So to your point, Bob, if he can't have that freedom to have those kinds of conversations with other world leaders, we as a country will falter and, and, and everybody on the left is worried about where we stand in the rest of the world. Well, then let the president do his job so we can get things accomplished. Yeah, that's a good point. And Roger, you, you think about what John is saying here. What about foreign leaders around the world? I mean, what's the next conversation going to be like that Trump or any U.S. president has with a foreign leader? And that foreign leader is like, well, do I really say what I want to say? Because for all I know, my words could end up on the front page of the New York Times. And so you have to wonder what effect this even has on, on national security and relationships between the U.S. president and foreign leaders. Oh, yes. And th- this is the blessing and the curse of Donald Trump. The fact that, as John pointed out, he's a businessman, first and foremost. And, and, and all presidents have to be, you know, there's a certain business component to what they do because deals are being made all the time. At the same time, if, if the hot mic moment for Barack Obama gets a pass and to, you know, tell Vladimir I've got more flexibility after the election, that those kinds of conversations happen all the time, too. Why people are surprised by this, it's anyone's guess. Now, one of the questions that I would have for the administration, though, is how careful is the president going to be and has not been with regard to the things that he says, you know, on Twitter and social media now, knowing that this kind of scrutiny is here and, and we're going to give a full congressional hearing to a quote unquote whistleblower who's using third hand information 
to try to discredit the, the president's campaign and the whole, quote unquote, interference with the election nonsense. So I mean, moving forward, I, I think that European leaders, foreign leaders are looking at a guy like Donald Trump and saying this this guy knows what he's doing. But you're right. The confidentiality part now is kind of like, wait, I thought what happens, you know, just between you know, behind closed doors. We have one conversation. But then what we say to the press what was released is something else. All right. Well, it, but real, and real quick, guys, on the same token, Roger, I, I don't know that all of that matters, and, and bear with me here. What I mean by that is I guarantee you, knowing enough about the business world that I know, I guarantee you that Donald Trump talked again to the Ukraine president and said, listen, here's what's going on in our country. I'm going to have to release the transcript of what happened with our phone call, even though there's nothing there. Just to get this thing put to bed, you know, I'm going to have to go ahead and release it. Is that okay with you? So I guarantee you there was a conversation along those lines. The other thing I think we need to remember, too, on our side with all of this is the one thing I continue to think about is Donald Trump has been a master at – at diversion, if you would. So while all of this nonsense in the news is going on, in the background, he's doing things like, for example, making it so as a country we can actually make a dishwasher wash dishes because he changed regulations on how dishwashers are manufactured right. that the left hasn't said anything about. And I know that's a small thing, but it really isn't. It's a big thing when it comes to trade and the things that we can do as a country to keep our economy going. And so while, while he's you know, sort of doing these things on the side, and frankly, I think at times manufactures some of these things himself, even through the tweets and things that he does to get the left riled up, all the means, that's a smokescreen on one side, so he can go get things done on the other side of the fence that nobody's even paying attention to. That's a good point. Uh, hang on, guys. We're going to continue this discussion. Uh, we're going to start getting into some of the specific facts of the allegations that are being made, how the media is reporting this and what's true and what's not true. And we're going to continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast discussion in just 30 seconds. We would like to encourage you to listen to, help, and support the ministry of Steve Gregg. Steve is the host of The Narrow Path, heard around the country on various Crawford broadcasting stations. He has over four decades of experience studying the Bible, and his passion is that everything in life, culture, and theology should be looked at through the lens of Scripture, and letting Scripture itself be the ultimate authority. The Narrow Path is heard Monday through Friday, and you can find a station near you by going to thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is also 100% listener supported, so be sure to reference the Crawford Podcast NCR. All right, continuing our discussion. So, guys, let's get into some of the specific allegations here, and I want to try to simplify this. The Democrats have made this claim now that Donald Trump has done something impeachable. And when we look at the transcript of his phone call that he had with the Ukrainian president, the big thing they're hanging their hat on is that he asked the Ukrainian president to look into the case of Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden. The mere fact of a president asking that question is now what's being treated as though it's some kind of big smoking gun. So, John, let me throw this to you. Is the mere fact that he asks the Ukraine to look into this corruption, is that some kind of smoking gun? Totally. In fact, the president can pardon an individual. So if there's somebody that he feels what, what, you know, had something done unjustly and he wants to pardon someone, it always happens, especially as a president is leaving office or certain pardons that happen. If a president can pardon then I know darn good and well a president can also say, hey, this particular situation here needs investigated because I don't think things seem quite right. He can tell the FBI that. He can tell the Justice Department that. You know, frankly, if he wanted to go to a local jurisdiction and say, hey, guys, what's going on here? This is, you know, you know, Barack Obama did exactly the same thing in numerous instances across the country when he was president, when it came to certain investigations and got his nose into places, frankly, that he shouldn't have been in the first place. But no one ever said anything about him doing that. So now we have a president who in the midst of a conversation, and this is all it is, used Joe Biden's son as an example, didn't say investigate this, but just used it as an example. There's nothing here, guys, nothing. Right. Well, I, and by the way, if you read the transcript, you'll see that it was Zelensky who first brought up the idea of, That's right. of investigations, multiple investigations, because when Donald Trump said, hey, can you do me a favor? He didn't say, 
can you look into the Joe Biden thing? He said, can you look into the CrowdStrike thing with the DNC server and whatever? That's right. Uh, that's, that's what right. he said. And it was then that Zelensky said, hey, we're looking into that and all the investigations. And that's, that's right. referencing other ones. And that then is when he chimed in and said, yeah, you got to look into that uh, Joe and Hunter Biden thing too and the firing of that prosecutor. You know, that's not right. And then that's it. He didn't harp on that. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong him. with him saying that at I all. Know. Nothing at all. I know. It just drives me crazy. And, and can, r- can I ask a question about yeah, that? Go though? ahead. This is Neil here. I, I just um, I, w- I would like to know exactly how it works. I mean, what exactly can a president do? It sounded like John started answering that question earlier, but it, would this only be illegal on the basis that uh, that he was dealing with a political rival? You know, somebody that w- was a declared candidate for president. Is that what would make it illegal? Because it seems like presidents have done this kind of thing all the time. And what politician, by the way, doesn't doesn't account for their next reelection? In, in on every decision that they make. I mean, and, everything they say to the media, every vote they cast, every uh, banquet they attend, you know, every fundraiser, et cetera, it's always to get reelected. So you could argue that every politician uh, on every action is actually trying to benefit themselves. Yeah, so I, I mean, don't know what, what and, raises us to the level of being illegal. That, that, that is such a great point, Neil, because, uh, for example, let's say that President Trump struck a trade deal with China Right before the election. All right. Well, it could be argued then, it could be spun by the media that Donald Trump uh, got the Chinese pr- uh, President Xi Jinping to help him get reelected. Or if he strikes a mm-hmm. North Korean nuclear deal, that's going to make him look good. It's going to help his reelection effort. So here he is using North Korea to help him win the election. I mean, you can spin it this way. Anything that a president does that's beneficial yeah. and necessary to this country. If it makes him look good, can be spun in this way. And if the Ukraine is a corrupt organ, a corrupt country as it was with the previous administration, and here's this new president in, Trump has to find out. Hey, are these people trustworthy or not? Are they going to take uh, this corruption issue seriously or not? And uh, and that to me is one of the frustrating things here is that his effort to do what is right with this president has been turned into somehow he's getting the Ukraine a foreign power to assist him in the election. That's nonsense. Well, one more question, though. You, had, you guys referred to the fact that you know none of this appears in this uh, transcript of the phone call, which actually isn't technically a transcript, right? I forget exactly what they call it uh, since it doesn't include every single word that was spoken. Um, but the synopsis of the phone call. But is it possible that there were conversations – with uh, Ukraine's uh, leadership prior uh, that we don't know anything about. Uh, it's just a question. Well, I actually – well, oh, go ahead, go John. Ahead, go ahead. No, so well, first of all, yeah, I just want to make sure to clear one thing up. It is, in fact, a transcript. It is uh, word for word, right. the transcript of it. It's not a synopsis of the phone call, but go ahead, John. No, it, yeah. It's a it, yeah. It's it's a transcript, and there may be some words that weren't that were inaudible due to, and it talks about this where you know phone connection or language things like that where there may be a few words that are a little off. But yeah, to Bob's point, it is it is pretty much a word for word of what went on in the conversation. And, and Neil, to answer your question, I guess what I would have to say back is, as the president of the United States, if in fact he did have other conversations prior to this, my answer back would be. So what? He he has the ability and the power to do that. I'm, I'm reading through right now from uh, Cornell University, the law school, what a president can and can't do. And one of the things that he has the ability to do is work with foreign leaders when it comes to certain things that are required, you know, by the United States of America to stay a sovereign nation. So if he feels the need to go to another country and ask for something as the president of the United States, he has the ability to do that. And there's nothing impeachable about that. Right. Which, by the way, Barack Obama did in 2012. If you remember his hot mic moment with Dmitry Medvedev, the outgoing president of Russia, and Vladimir Putin was the newly elected president coming in, what did Barack Obama do? He was struggling with the uh, the Russians because the Russians wanted the U.S. to change our policy supporting the European missile crisis, uh, missile defense system. So what did Obama say to Medvedev when he thought the microphones was off? He says, hey, look, this is my last election. Uh, you know, I just need some space. Give me some space. Let me get through this election, and then I'll have more flexibility. Wink, wink. After the election, in other words, uh, don't don't force me to 
agree with you guys before the election because I got to look like I'm tough on Russia. Help me, you know, let me get elected and then after the election, then I'll go softer and work with you guys more on this. He was caught on Mike saying this and there were no Republicans launching impeachment proceedings against him for this and Trump didn't do anything close to that. Agreed. Well said. Well, uh, but Roger, let me bring you in here because one of the things I'd like to find out too is uh, what some of the issues are that maybe a lot of Christians and listeners and Americans in general are wondering about uh, regarding this because I know it can be a really confusing issue for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we wrestle with on the bottom line on a regular basis is the fact that, you know, why does this matter? You know, I mean, it, there's the political expedience, of course, and there's good theater because the news organizations make their money off of getting us to watch and getting us to listen. But I, one of the things that I've been wrestling with, I wanted to ask all you guys this. We're talking about something that happened regarding something in 2016. Was this, are they trying to go retrospective or the retrograde? Are they trying to look ahead? Are they accusing the president of trying to fix the 2020 elections or having had some influence in 2016? I mean, th- these are all things I, I'm, I'm kind of spinning around saying, what, what's the target here? Is the target ultimately they're just trying to impeach the president? And that's, you know, if you're, if you're in the mood for a hang in any tree will do. Or is this the kind of thing where, I mean, there's some serious concerns here? Because as I'm listening to John and Bob unpack the, the transcript of the phone call, and then the whistleblowers, whatever his testimony is going to be, New York Times just sent out an alert, you might have heard it coming off on my computer, saying, this is unprecedented. This is unique. Well, of course it is, because it's all hearsay, and right, we're giving right. a congressional hearing to it. What's really at stake here? What really happened? Because it seems like the Bidens have just as much skin in the game as the Trump administration. It does sound like they're going after getting rid of Trump somehow, some way, and if this is a mean- that they can do it. And Neil Boron, to, to his point, Neil, I, I think that that is the ultimate goal here. Let's get rid of Trump. Well, I don't doubt that for a minute. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen that time and again. And I think <clears throat> these people who are his opponents would do – I mean, I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about Hollywood. I'm talking about Democrats. I'm talking about even some Republicans that don't like the president seem intent on doing anything possible to get rid of him. But to clarify, let me just ask, because I've seen this several places. Uh, here, one article refers to um, – the release of this document uh, to lawmakers, it came hours after the administration made public a summary of a July 25th phone call in which Trump urged UK, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, etc. So I've seen several places where it was referred to as a summary, and I guess maybe I'm at a disadvantage because I haven't seen what they're referring to or what you guys are referring to as an official transcript. But either way, it seems odd to me that the president, knowing uh, he was being listened to and recorded uh, – you know, in the sense that people were scribbling down notes about this conversation, would in that context say something that could get him impeached. It doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe you guys can help me understand that. Let's take a break. Uh, We'll be back with more of the National Crawford Roundtable in just a moment. At Crawford Broadcasting Company, we hear from so many listeners about how much they've grown through the teaching ministry of Pastor Alistair Begg on Truth for Life. What an impact this ministry has made over the years as Alistair Begg, with his unmistakable voice, faithfully proclaims God's truth each day so lives can be transformed. Here at CBC, we value the great partnership we share with Truth For Life and want to make sure their broadcast can continue on our stations for years to come. If you enjoy studying God's Word verse by verse each day with Alistair Begg, you should consider sending Truth For Life a gift of support. Make your donation today. Visit truthfullife.org or call 888-588-7884. And be sure to let them know which CBC station you listen to each day or that you listen to this NCR podcast. So, I don't know, if anybody can help me, I would love to know the answer to that question because I'm seeing stuff that refers to this as a summary conversation. It's obvious that there may have been other conversations that we're not privy to, but, yeah. Okay, I'll answer that one. Okay, so, thank you. So, so Neil and, and Bob don't, don't want to jump in, but I, I think the one thing we have to realize, and this is, I think, important to even you know, advise our fellow you know, Republicans, Christians, conservatives, whatever the case may be, that the press – First of all, is on the left. There are very, very, very few, if any, I mean, even Fox News anymore is probably more middle than it is even to the right. So there's very few national press organizations that are actually leaning to the right. So when when we talk about certain things that come out in the press, 
they're going to say whatever they feel benefits them and their left-leaning causes the most. So if they can say this is a summary versus a transcript or or vice versa, they're going to say whatever they think they can say that benefits them the most. And that's where it gets really confusing, I think, to the American public because they're not being truthful like the press should be because they're no longer the press. Right. Well, and one of the things as well, I would argue that – we need to recognize regarding the press and and the Democrats in this case is if we do have a double standard at play and and I think we need to recognize the double standard. We have to determine is it in fact acceptable for a president or anyone for that matter to talk to foreign leaders and to say to foreign leaders you need to be investigating something that involves their political enemies because my problem with this is that this kind of stuff has gone on in the past and it wasn't considered scandalous, okay? In other words, if Hillary Clinton and the DNC in 2016, if they can pay $10 million for the Russian dossier to get dirt from the Russians right. on Donald Trump to help that's right. the uh, Hillary win the election, that's seeking help from a foreign power, Russia, to try to interfere in the election to hurt Donald Trump. If that's not considered scandalous, if it's not considered scandalous for the Obama administration to actually solicit dirt from the Ukrainian government as part of the investigation into Donald Trump, if it's not considered scandalous for the three Democratic senators in May of 2018 to actually send a letter to the Ukrainian government asking them to produce dirt for the Robert Mueller investigation against Donald Trump, and CNN even reported this, if these things are not scandalous, then it's not right to take Donald Trump saying to the president of the Ukraine, hey, can you look into this Hunter Biden thing, make sure that there's no corruption that really took place. Uh, we, we just we have to have one set of laws and rules and Agreed. standards for everybody. And that, uh, Roger, uh, that to me is the big frustration here because there's two different standards at play. And I don't think the average American really is recognizing what's going on with that. I totally agree. I mean, to sound Orwellian here, but I mean, some some lawmakers are more equal than others, apparently, when it comes to this type of activity. You know, and I, I'm thinking about the just the dollars involved. You know, the 391, 400 million dollars, and and the, the 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 Trump spin or the spin against the president now is well, he was holding off on that funding until he got his deal and got his way. Well, what? If, why is no one talking about Joe Biden? Right. Holding on to a billion dollars in U.S. loans unless the Ukraine fires right. the prosecutor who was investigating right. his son. I mean, it's right. got to be it's got to be a balanced scale. And that's what we pride ourselves on here in the United States. So that's 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 unnerving enough. But unfortunately, I think that's one plank in the platform of this story that's being spun in the media. John, so, there's so a guys, lot of protection you, you, of Joe Biden going on here, John. There is. And here's a thought for you guys. I was just thinking as we're talking through this and I may be crazy. People have said I am. So, you know, take this for what it is. But <laughs> yeah. what well, if? What if in all of this, here's just a thought, what if in all of this Donald Trump is using this as nothing more than to figure out exactly who his opponent's going to be in 2020? And hear me out here. Right now, there's, you know, 20 plus, can- I don't know what it is down to now. Is it, is it 18 or 20 candidates on the, on the Democrat side? So he's trying to figure out exactly who's he going to be running against. And what I'm hearing with everything the Democrats are doing right now, is Joe Biden is going to be the guy he's running against. And by the way, that is probably the DNC's pick to actually be you know, the, the, the nominee for the presidential election in 2020. So is Donald Trump doing nothing more than in, through all of this trying to figure out exactly who his opponent is? Because if the DNC didn't think Biden was going to be the guy, then why would any of this matter? Right. Well, and you do wonder, uh, is this a case where the Democrats themselves – might decide that Joe Biden is just sacrificial and they can go ahead and throw him under the bus because the truth is this whole Hunter Biden issue being brought up, this doesn't look good for Joe Biden at all. There's a lot of stuff that they do not want, the Democrats, and certainly Joe Biden does not want coming up. They don't want the American public to know what Burisma Holdings is. They don't want them to know about this this Ukrainian energy company that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, goes over to the Ukraine and takes his son Hunter along. And then when they leave, what happens after that? Suddenly Hunter Biden is offered a sweetheart deal to sit on the board of this energy company, even though he has no energy experience, no knowledge of gas, oil, Oil, energy, or anything with the Ukraine, but he gets $50,000 a month and his 
firm gets a million dollars a year just to sit on this board. And then, of course, Joe Biden pressures the and threatens and orders the Ukrainian government to fire that prosecutor who's investigating that corrupt company. And that happens. And then Joe Biden even brags about it. This is stuff that looks really bad for Joe Biden. And you know, to, to your point, it, it does make you wonder – is this a case where Trump is like, hey, let's just go ahead and sift this through and let's find out who it is I'm going to be up against and see if the Democrats are going to back Joe Biden or throw him under the bus sacrificially right. and let it be Elizabeth Warren? We're going to, we're going to continue this conversation uh, here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast for the second half hour. So, guys, what about the Joe Biden factor in this? It does seem to me – that this is something that you got some group of Democrats trying to protect Joe Biden, but then you have some other group of Democrats, and it makes me wonder if they're not saying, forget it, let's sacrifice him, let's go with Elizabeth Warren, because if we think it can bring Trump down, Joe Biden is uh, a, an acceptable sacrifice for that. Uh, Neil, it's awful dirty politics, but it does seem to be some some question about the strategy involved. It's a huge mess. <laughs> and I, I don't – honestly, you know, just as a member of the American public, as a, a voting American, I don't think that, that the average person has any clue this kind of stuff is going on on a regular basis. I mean we hear stories about uh, Lori Loughlin, you know, uh, our famous Rebecca from Full House and right. paying millions of dollars to get students into colleges and stuff and we're aghast. That stuff makes the headlines. But, you know, a story like this regarding Hunter Biden, I don't think is known by the average American and certainly not, you know, put forward by the liberal media. So I'm actually glad in that sense that we're talking about this today. Uh, I don't do a lot of politics on my radio show, but I think this is fascinating. The American people need to know what's actually happening on stories that aren't generally reported. Right. Roger, what do you think are some of the things also that the American public maybe aren't getting about this or need to need to get more information on? Well, I think you guys, John and Bob in particular, have done a great job of presenting to us, you know, the, the, the nuances here, the, the, the things that don't show up in the sound bites and the headlines. Our, our, our populace has become so conditioned to get a 30-second meme, sound bite, video clip that's easily shared and try to make really complicated conversation and decisions based on those things. So the fact that that there's a lot of nuance going on here. And to Neil's point, too, you know, a lot of people are watching this and we've got this fight or flight mentality in the culture now where we want to make a decision right away. And this takes a lot of discussion. We're going to devote, you know, we're devoting an hour to this here. We'll we'll devote a, a lot more hours to it as this case plays out. Uh, to Neil's point about the, the Lori Laughlin situation, you know, there's a way to do that. I make a $5 million donation to build a big library or someone just donated $20 million to UCLA to study kindness of all things. There's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. But the question is, does it get done? And I think to the point here is we're looking at this right now and saying it is kind of a nothing burger. At least it is from my vantage point, as you guys have been discussing it. Transcripts don't seem to bear anything that's impeachable. It just looks like it's something that it's shocking because Trump did it. But when Barack Obama did it, it's good diplomacy. It's good statesmanship. You know, that's I think that's something that it's important for us to share, not because we're all pro-Trump. Or anti-Obama, but rather to say this is this is the right way to handle this. And, and you know, one of the questions I want to ask you guys, because uh, like I'm I'm kind of with Neil in terms of uh, how deep we go politically on the bottom line show. Um, oftentimes, when I I think John, you kind of alluded to this earlier, the fact that when the president tweets something out or you know makes a statement or does this, I totally agree that he, Elizabeth Warren is gaining steam and. Donald Trump wants to make sure that it's either Biden or Warren. So, you know, why not go after Biden, you know, and something like this, because that'll identify the enemy. But is he really that smart? I guess the question I ask. Yes. Is he really yes. that? And, and, and yes. Give me some examples now, because sometimes it just seems like loose cannon to me. No, he's not. He, I would tell you right now, and, and I know a lot of people out there, the press especially has painted this picture. Let me tell you what. First of all, you don't get to be a billionaire by being a dummy. That's the first thing everybody has to realize. You don't get to where he's at in life by being stupid. He is not a stupid man. He is actually probably one of the, if not the most intelligent uh, president we've had in a very, very long time. His business savvy is unlike anybody else we've ever had in there. And it proved the way he won the last election that he understands how things work. So he won the electoral college vote the last time around because he knew exactly where to work, where to go after those votes, and how to get those votes. And what I mean by that is he used social media and even the tools that the left developed 
Facebook and others to actually win that election. The guy is not stupid. Every single thing he does, I guarantee you, it sounds like it's off the hip and that it's, it's just this loose cannon, but I guarantee you every single thing he does is very calculated. Yeah, it's a, I think that's a very good point. Uh, I do think that maybe there's some times where he, he might emotionally blurt something out and it ends up uh, maybe coming back and he miscalculated. But one of the things you got to remember about Trump is he is a risk taker. And That's right. And yeah, when, sure. when, when someone is a risk taker, what that means is you're not right all the time. Sometimes no. things will blow That's up right. in your face. That's so right. he mm-hmm. does take calculated risks and sometimes he'll send out a tweet that – it was a calculated risk, and then he looks at it afterwards like, okay, well, you know what? That backfired. I guess I shouldn't have done that, but I'm never going to admit that publicly. Uh, but being a risk taker is what's turned him into a multi-billionaire with hundreds right. of corporations around the world. And then, I mean, come on. How many of us really thought that Donald Trump had a chance of being the nominee against those 16 right. uh, candidates on the stage? Not only does he end up getting it, he beats Hillary Clinton. He takes on the media. And with unprecedented opposition from the press, from the media, from dishonest reporting, from a Republican Party who doesn't have the guts to stand up for him, somehow, some way, he's managed to get an amazing right. accomplishment list done in two right. and a half, three years in the office. So I just, I, I'm with John on this. I don't think a dumb person can do nope. that. A risk taker you know, in- who sometimes uh, has a blow up on his face, but not a dumb person. But you, and you know what though? Some of that actually plays to his advantage as well because the average American Joe, and I know this because I talk to these people on a regular basis and frankly am one. I mean, I rub elbows with these individuals on a daily basis. And I will tell you the first thing that I hear from a lot of people is, you know, I don't necessarily like the guy, but I tell you what, he's doing some great things for the country. We're rolling along. If I've got a business, you know, he's helping my business do better. On and on we go. And, and ultimately what he's done and what he continues to do, and it'll, 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 it'll even come out even through all this investigative things that we're going through right now. He is a a people's person. What I mean by that is he's he's a guy for the citizenry. He does not care what the rest of the politicians and or the press think of him. He doesn't care about the swamp. What he really cares about is the guy that's out there irking away at 50, 60 hours a week trying to make a living. That's who he's speaking to. And those people are resonating with him. And, I, and guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. There's not going to be anything that comes out of this investigation. He's not going to be impeached. and He's going to win the next election with a landslide. Now, it's interesting you say that. You don't think he's going to be impeached because at this nope. point... At this point, John, you look at the numbers and Politico is reporting that they've got uh, over 218 Democrats that are now on board. But the fine print is they're not on board with impeachment, but they're on board with impeachment or impeachment inquiry, which is not the same thing. All all Nancy Pelosi did this week, guys, is throw a bone. And by the way, she's a poor leader because if she was a real leader, she'd go to her caucus and say, guys, this is going to hurt us in the next election because, frankly, it's going to. If she had half a brain, which she's the one I wonder about how intelligent she really is because she married into money and didn't earn it herself. But that's another story for another day. The reality is she's not doing very well in her own party by allowing this to happen because this is going to come back to bite them. The American American public does not want impeachment or impeachment proceedings. There is a small faction of the public that do. The rest of the people don't want it. And this is going to do nothing but come back and bite the Democrats in the rear end. This is not good for them at all. What do you guys think? Neil, uh, Roger, you you guys think that uh, he's going to be impeached? And how do you see the impeachment thing playing out? I, I think that it's possible he could be impeached, but I don't see him being removed from office. I don't right. think the Senate's going to go along with whatever the House does, whichever way they go. And I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. So I have no inside information, I assure right. you. But I can tell you a quick story. I was, uh, I was on a ferry headed to Block Island with a bunch of college buddies, and one of, one of uh, my pals from college is tremendously smart guy, brilliant but as liberal as the day is long, and I love him anyway, and he loves me and the whole thing. But he leaned over to me one day, and he said, hey, can I ask you an honest question? I said, sure. And he goes, what is it that white evangelicals and conservatives in this country like about Donald Trump? How do you like this guy? And uh, I think it was John that was saying this earlier. He's he's a, a people's president, meaning he's the one who's got the backbone to stand up and look at the liberal establishment in the face and say, you don't represent what we value. 
whatever shape that takes. I mean, the vast majority of the American people don't want abortion on demand for any reason, but we have abortion on demand for any reason. And here's a president who's willing to stand up and do something about it. So in that sense, he's, he's the people's president. And I think there's a lot of people that support Donald Trump because their businesses are going well or because they like what's happening with the economy and stuff. Um, and so they, they like him in that sense, but they'd never admit it publicly. And I think a lot of those people are going to cast stealth votes for him in the next election yep, um, because I really, I really believe that yep. they agree with what you guys just outlined. Uh, Roger, to Neil's point there, that, that uh, it does seem that a lot of people are resonating with President Trump and they appreciate the fact that he, he does stand up and f- take on the fights that a lot of other people just politically don't. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And something John mentioned earlier about uh, the, the the business acumen and, and the intelligence of a guy like Donald Trump, I'm reminded of a quote from former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, who, as he was leaving office, was being asked about George W. Bush. And, you know, there was that whole thing, George Bush is incompetent. You know, he was either the most incompetent president we ever had or a brilliant mastermind. You know, either way, it depended on you know, how you were trying to spin it that day. But I remember the line that he used to describe George W. Bush, and someone said, do you really think he was fit for office? And his response was, no one stumbles into the White House. And right. the, the reality that, to, to John right. and everyone else, every person who has won the White House, and with the exception of maybe the handpicking of Gerald Ford, but even then he was in position to be there, they have to be they're very, very smart. So I, I appreciate the, the fact that you guys are, are unpacking this this way because it, uh, it it's very, very helpful for me. Uh, I think about the intelligentsia, you know, they're trying to tell us what works and what doesn't and what, why this is good for America, you know, that we're actually doing all this. And I was having a conversation with a, a guy who's running for local uh, House representative seat in 2020, and he's currently serving as a local mayor, but he was the, uh, uh, he served as chief of staff in the White House military office when he was a colonel in the Marine Corps uh, back during the Clinton administration. And he was there when the Clinton impeachment was going on. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, now this is all happening. Do you think this will be good for America? And he, his response was, impeachment's never good for America. No. Divides no. us more than it unites right. us. You know, even, right. he said, even there as a conservative Christian Republican who was serving under President Clinton, he said, I didn't want this to happen. I didn't think right. it, it was, it was all theater. It was all grandstanding. So I, well I think said. that the, those are, those are very good issues. And I'm glad we're having this conversation today here in the National Crawford Roundtable. And we'll be back in 30 seconds. Dr. Michael Yusuf is leading the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word, while the foundation of leading the way is the passionate, uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Designed to not only effectively reach all who are lost, the purpose of leading the way is to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and effectively advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. To listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf, go to ltw.org slash listen. And be sure to mention you heard about their program from the Crawford Podcast, NCR. Well, guys, this is a, an interesting conversation. I appreciate the fact that uh, John Rush, Bob Duco, uh, Neil Boron are helping me, <laughs> Roger Marsh, get a better handle on the, on what's what's going on here in terms of the, what's a you know, collusion issue, what's a, uh, what's something that, that should be debated. Uh, guys, I'll throw this back out to you. As, as we play the hand out, you know, kind of play the scene out and see what happens, uh, do you think impeachment is imminent? Right now, as John mentioned, we've got the impeachment part is there's an inquiry that everybody seems to be in favor of, but full-blown impeachment, do you think we're going to get there? Uh, John, you think that you think that we are, uh, or you, or you think that we're not going to see I- impeachment here with the I'm not. I'm not so sure. I, there's there's part of me that that feels like maybe they they may go ahead with this just because Nancy Pelosi she doesn't really run the Democratic Party AOC and the squad and the rest of the true. hardcore do. leftists do. And it, to me, it seems as though they're afraid of of upsetting their base so much among the Democrats that it's like if they don't at least pursue impeachment, that there's going to be a bunch of Democrat base that's going to be so furious with them that they won't be energized to go out and vote next fall. And so let's at least keep them energized so at least the Democrats can hold on to the House so Nancy Pelosi keeps her job. So that's the reason why I tend to be leaning toward thinking they're going to throw the bone to their base, go ahead and try the impeachment thing. Uh, it They may successfully impeach him. It won't pass in the Senate, of course. We know that, so he won't no, be it won't. removed. No. But I, at I, least, you know, guys, at least in, it'll be an embarrassment and it'll energize agree. the base. Agree. Although, keep in mind, 
when it comes to impeachment, there has to be factual evidence to support, you know, treason and things along those lines to where you could actually impeach the president. And the reality is we had that with Bill Clinton. There were things he did do. He lied under oath on, on, on the stand. I mean, things along those lines that were impeachable offenses. I firmly believe there's nothing in Donald Trump's past while he's been president that's going to allow them to actually impeach him. They'll, they'll try it. You, you're darn right. They're going to run this through Congress. They're going to see what they can get done. But the reality is I firmly believe there's nothing there that's impeachable. So they're going to run this thing through. They're going to do their best to try to, to try to get it handled. But there's nothing legally that they can stand on to impeach him. All right. On. Now, John, here's the problem with that, though. And, and while I agree with you that he hasn't done anything that's impeachable, the problem is the Democrats claim that he's done something that's impeachable. So for you know, these are the very same Democrats who say it's not – like I said before, it's not a scandal if Hillary Clinton pays $10 million to get dirt from the True. Russians on Donald Trump. We don't consider that scandalous, OK? But we do consider it impeachable for President Trump to ask the Ukrainian president to look into the Hunter Biden thing. So they're going to take uh, small stuff – that Donald Trump does, and they're going to call it impeachable, and they're and that's what they're going to run. And of course, the press is going to have their back on this. So, what do we do with the fact that we can look at this and go, "That's not impeachable," but when they claim that it is, and CNN reports that yes, it is, what happens is it rallies the base and it causes it gives cover to the Democrats to go ahead and vote for impeachment. Bob, I think you're making a really strong point, and I'm pretty sure that I saw an article. Yesterday, I think, that said that Elizabeth Warren was ready to move forward on the impeachment front based on stuff in the Mueller report, which everyone else <laughs> There's nothing there. showed right. no collusion. So, right. so where facts lie in the eye of the beholder, I guess. It, I don't know how else to look at something like that. Well, we, we have to – this goes to what I said before about two sets of standards, okay? If you have a police officer – and that police officer is a Democrat, and he's got Democrats in cars whipping past him at 100 miles an hour, and he turns a blind eye to that and says, well, no, that's, that's not speeding in my mind. And then a Republican comes by at five over, and he not only gets arrested, he gets 10 years in prison for that. There's got to be a point where we say, no, speeding is either acceptable or it's not acceptable, but you can't say this is okay for Democrats to do it, but not okay for Republicans to do it. And what Trump has done is a tiny fraction of what the Democrats are on record doing, Obama doing, the Democrats in the Senate soliciting the Ukrainian government for dirt on Donald Trump, Hillary soliciting the Obama. You know, the DNC actually hired a woman. This was a Democratic operative. Her name is Chulupa to contact the Ukraine to try to dig up dirt for Donald Trump in the 2016 election. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's been done and nobody batted an eye. And so that's why we need to recognize a double standard here. But I, I really believe that the Democrats feel like they've got something to push now and that we're liable to see impeachment take place, but not removal, which then begs the question, what happens then? Now, that's a great question. And again, I still don't think this bodes well for them in the next election because the, the American people, the people that we're talking about that are on the Trump side and even even the folks that are maybe down the middle that are saying, wait a minute, guys, first of all, you, you know, all the evidence, you know, the transcript and so on, granted, much to Neil's point earlier, you know, the press is going to spin this whatever way they can to make things look the best for the Democrats and it will continue to happen, although we have a president that's very good at going against them and spinning it backwards. And it'll be interesting to see how this all goes. I, you know, the other thing I guess I would have to ask is I do believe they'll proceed with impeachment proceedings. I mean, I think they're going to do an investigative, uh, you know, do some investigation to determine whether or not that's even going to, going to pan out for them. And they're not stupid. They will try to determine whether or not this is going to bode well for them in the election or not. But the question I've got is, you know, we're not that far away from the 2020 election itself. You know, we're roughly, you know, it's a little over 12 months away and in impeachment proceedings take time. So the question remains, if they do start this thing before the end of this year, I mean, those things can take three, four, five months, which that's the heat of the election. We've got, you know, Democrat candidates that will actually be running during that time. Uh, again, how does this play out for them, uh, Bob? I, I don't know. I do believe they're going to run with it. I think it's dumb on their part to do so. But uh, the question remains, how, how long is it going to take and how does this work for them when it comes to the, you know, the run up to the election? You know what I'd like to know from Roger and from Neil, uh, guys. Uh, Roger, let me start with you. Uh, 
for people in America who aren't really that deeply involved in politics, they pay attention to what's happening in politics but not that much. So they're not really inside politics. A lot of independents and, and moderates and such – how do you think they're going to look at the idea of Trump being impeached? Do you think that they're going to say, hey, this gives credibility to the Democrats' anti-Trump positions and maybe Trump really is a bad guy then? I don't want to vote for somebody who's been impeached. Or might it go the other way? This really isn't fair. I think that uh, almost kind of a, a sense of sympathy vote for Donald Trump. How do you think this plays for the not-so-political people, Roger? Well, I think it, it, it's certainly going to reveal biases. I mean, there's no question about that. Anybody who is a passionate Trump supporter is going to be energized by this. You can't go after my guy. I was reading with David Harris Jr., African-American conservative this morning, had an article about a whistleblower named John Solomon who says this guy's got more evidence that Joe Biden committed more impeachable offenses while he was vice president than Donald Trump did as president. So it's going to energize the Trump face. There's no question about that. Where the, what the Democrat long game appears to be, just based on everything we've been talking about today, is how do we shake down the moderate, the wishy-washy, the I-could-go-either-way you know, candidate? Is this going to embarrass enough Republicans in the House and Senate to say, gosh, I'm going to have to turn tail and run on the guy? Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be too difficult if you support what the president's doing to be able to say either I'm all in on this guy because he's brilliant and I want to follow him or, hey, I'm not really fond of him as a person, but he's been a good president. He's been, done you know, things that I think as a Christian I, we can we can rally around. Uh, I think that the Democrat strategy appears to be, let, as it often is, our voters are emotional. Let's be as emotional as we can. We'll try. Mm -hmm. You'll hear words like yep. embarrass and humiliate, yep. things like that. Right. And that's the game they're trying to play. So they're trying to right. sniff out and find out who those flip-flop moderates were in those flyover states and try to get them back home to the fold. I think that's going to blow up in their face, but it seems like that's where it's coming from my angle. What do you think, Neil? I mean, how, how do you think the moderates are going to respond to this? Are they going to develop sympathy for Trump, or are they going to see this as a justification for the anti-Trump view? It's only my opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, but it seems to me that the American people felt sympathy for Bill Clinton uh, when he faced impeachment, and that somehow it ended up working in his favor, and it became uh, in his favor. He became a celebrity of sorts yeah. after you know his time in the White House. So I don't know. I I'm I'm of the opinion that there is sort of a silent majority. I mean, we always hear from the media what the liberal elites think, and we're led to believe that. People like AOC and uh, you know Nancy Pelosi speak for the women of America. I don't think they speak for the American women by and large, a certain small percentage perhaps. So I, I think that there's more people in the middle leaning right than leaning left. And I mm -hmm. think it's going to have the effect of emboldening his support base. I think they're going to be all the more entrenched to say, look, this just proves that we can't trust mm -hmm. the people who govern in the swamp. And uh, we don't certainly don't trust the media. So mm -hmm. we're going to go with our gut instinct and support the guy that we think represents us. And I think the people in the middle are leaning further to the right than they are to the left. And I think it's going to end up benefiting the president. We think, John. Yeah. Uh, hey, get real, and real quick, guys. Let's take a real quick break. Uh, National Crawford Roundtable. We'll take a real solid break here for just a few minutes. We'll come right back and continue to talk about uh, this topic. And uh, we'll finish things up here in just a few minutes. Dr. James Dobson has dedicated more than four decades to preserving and promoting the biblical family through Family Talk. Heard every weekday on drjamesdobson.org. Show your support for marriage, parenthood, and the sanctity of human life by becoming a faithful listener of Family Talk. Join us in addressing the rapid deterioration of the biblical family in America. Go to drjamesdobson.org and reference the Crawford Podcast, NCR, when asked about how you listen to Family Talk. All right, guys, again, thanks uh, for, for all of you, uh, each and every one of you, by the way, Bob, Neil, and uh, and Roger, thanks for just all the comments. This is great, by the way. This is this is as you guys can tell, you know, things I love talking about, passionate about. Neil, uh, appreciate your your comments, and Roger, you as well. You know, kind of being on on uh, maybe not as in depth and getting into this in the weeds like like Bob and I do on a regular basis. But <laughs> it's going to be interesting, Neil. To your point, I, I do think that, and I hadn't thought about that. I appreciate what you just said a moment ago about uh, Bill Clinton and the fact that you know, much even to the surprise of the conservatives. You know, he did come out almost as a celebrity of all of that. And the impeachment proceedings for him really didn't damn it. Now, it didn't make him very effective after the impeachment. But as far as him as a person went and as far as, you know, elections after, it, it didn't harm him and or the Democrats in any way. If anything, I think they got the sympathy vote to a large extent. So, you know, mm -hmm. Neil, I never 
thought about what you just said a moment ago, and it even plays into what I've said earlier about you know the next election. I do believe Donald Trump's going to win in a landslide. And, and again, he, as I said earlier, he's a smart individual. He will take whatever gets thrown at him, and he will turn that around and use that to his favor as much as he possibly can. And by the way, guys, I'm not saying that to say that I feel Donald Trump is the Messiah, that he's perfect, that there's things about him that are Christ-like. That's not the case. He, we hired a president. It's much like hiring a CEO of a company. He is not our pastor. He is not a church leader. It's never been intended to be such. He is the president of the United States. And in that realm, I respect him. I don't always agree with everything he does. There are many things he does that I would not do if I was president. But the reality is he got elected. I didn't. He's the president and I have to stand behind him. I think it's a very fair point. And one final thing I wanted to bring up with you guys. And before I do, though, I, I want to point out something that you're saying there, John, because I think this is really important for us as believers to recognize. I don't look at Trump as perfect. I mean, Trump's got warts. Trump's got problems. But when you weigh the pros and the cons, here's a guy who spent the majority of his life as a sleazy, vulgar, narcissistic, self-centered, greedy, womanizing, playboy billionaire. And now what he's done is he's aligned himself. He's gone from pro-choice to pro-life. This is a guy who has aligned himself with born-again evangelical Christians, with the pro-life community. He's been way more conservative than I expected he would ever be. I mean, who would have ever thought? Go back five years ago. What if somebody told you that five years from now, you're going to see Donald Trump from Celebrity Apprentice as president of the United States addressing the United Nations and lecturing them on protecting the unborn and declaring to these pro-abortion United Nations countries, hey, children born and unborn are created to the glory of God. I mean, this is what Donald Trump told the United Nations. Uh, And so – I believe as Christians we need to be supporting him in this and recognizing that, yes, he does have warts. Yes, we disagree with him in areas, but the pros, I would argue, far outweigh the cons. Last thing I want to throw out on the table to you guys, though, is as we kind of wind this down, the issue of impeachment. Let's say that Donald Trump does get impeached or even if they get close and they decide, all right, we're not going to go forward with it. Part of my concern here is that impeachment itself – is being cheapened in this process. Impeachment constitutionally is supposed to be about a president who's guilty of bribery, treason, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. And my concern is that that we're setting a precedent now where where impeachment now becomes a political tool used to harass or undo an election that you don't like. Uh, And I just – I don't want to see a thing – I wouldn't want to see it from Republicans either. I don't want to see a case where – that a Democrat gets in, and every time they color outside the lines, whoop, it's impeachment. That's not a right precedent to set, and I, I'm, I'm concerned about that. Yeah, and, and by the way, guys, I've got an example of that in Colorado, and it's happening around the country as well. These recall efforts, which we had a big recall effort in Colorado for our governor, which I went publicly on air and said it's a waste of time. All it's going to do is strengthen our governor that we don't like in Colorado, our, our very liberal you know, Jared Polis, governor of Colorado, it's going to do nothing but actually strengthen his position and probably allow him to win the next election, which, by the way, I believe he'll be a nominee for president of the United States at some point. So watch for that one on down the road. He'll be the first gay president. And I firmly believe that's his goal and the goal of the left to make that happen. So this recall effort in Colorado, all it did was really cheapen re- true recalls that should be happening. Right. And to your point, Bob, it's it's an ineffective tool, and it was very ineffective in Colorado and, frankly, wasted a lot of people's time that we could have spent doing other things, i.e. get good candidates elected. I think this impeachment thing, Bob, and what you're saying is exactly the same way. It's just cheapening what that is, and it's not helping us as a country. It does become a political I to, tool. I want to jump in and say comment on something both Neil and John had said, if I may, um, the, the fact that when you, we've talked about the Clinton uh, impeachment proceedings, one of the things that was – very comforting to me, not comforting that we were impeached the President of the United States, but that there were actual charges. And I still hear people to this day saying, boy, the Republican witch hunt, and all he did was have an affair, and so did John Kennedy, and it's no big deal. No, he lied under oath. I mean, right. he did commit an impeachable offense. But at the same time, notice how the American populace, the voting public, even 20 years ago, as Neil duly noted, were sympathetic to the guy because they didn't understand what impeachment was all about. And I think that's one thing that could wind up shooting the Democrat 
party in the foot collectively is if they think that they can go ahead and play on this. The same thing's going to happen in reverse. This is going to make Donald Trump a sympathetic character to a lot of people, right. even right. in spite of the fact that there really is a, right now apparently no grounds for impeachment. So it, it's not going to help. Yeah, I think you tend to be right. Well, I know there's a lot more about this that we could talk about, and we'll certainly keep an eye on this as it continues to unfold. And uh, I want to encourage everybody listening, you can download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And on behalf of John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh, gentlemen, it's always great talking with you. Look forward to talking to you next week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. We'll see you. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.